Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. For more details, check out faithcc.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message. On November the 21st, 1873, the French ocean liner Ville du Havre was crossing the Atlantic Ocean from the US to Europe with 313 passengers on board. Among the passengers was Horatio Spafford's wife, Anna, and their four daughters. See, Horatio was a successful lawyer and businessman who lived in Chicago with his wife and five children. Though he successfully was no stranger to tears and tragedy, their young son died of pneumonia in 1871. And later in that same year, much of their real estate business was lost in the great Chicago fire. Yet God in His mercy allowed the business to flourish once again. And two years later, with the trauma and the pain that his wife and family had gone through, Horatio had purchased a ticket for his family to travel over to England for, for a holiday, but also to accompany a crusade that Dion Moody was, was doing in England at the time. And although Horatio had planned to go with his family, he found it necessary to stay in Chicago to attend to some business matters. He told his wife that he would take another ship and join them in Europe only a few days later. About four days into the crossing of the Atlantic, the, the Ville du Havre collided with a powerful iron-hulled Scottish ship, the Loch Urn. And within approximately 12 minutes, the ship had slipped beneath the dark waters in the Atlantic Ocean, carrying with it 226 of the passengers, including Horatio and Anna's four children. Anna was one of the only few survivors. After hearing the news, Horatio booked passage on the next available ship and left to join his grieving wife. With the ship about four days out, the captain called Horatio to the deck, called him to the bridge and told him that as best they knew, this was the place that the ship had gone down along with his children. At this point, history tells us that Horatio sat down and penned the words to this most famous, one of the most famous hymns that uh, for many of us we've grown up singing, It Is Well With My Soul, an amazing hymn, and an amazing story, a Job-like story. And you have to ask what makes, what it allows a person who goes through so much trauma, tragedy, to be able to make this statement it is well with my soul. I think the answer's found within the lyrics of the song. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate 
and had, hath shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. What an amazing song, what an amazing story of a guy that goes through so much tragedy. You know, the truth is that we, we all go through things and, and not many of us could say that we've gone through something like Horatio and Anna went through all those years ago. But, but I know that people in our church have gone through just as tragic things. I've never gone through the, the tragedy and the loss of, of losing a child or even facing death myself. And, but we all go through things and they're not all the, not all the same stuff, but... Who knows that I just am amazed at not just the response of the writer of this song, but so many people in our church's response to say, even though I go through tragedy, even though I might get knocked by the, the storms of life, I can make this statement, it is well, it is well with my soul. Who knows there is a fight for your soul. There is a fight for yours and my soul. The enemy wants to come and try and take us away from the very joy, the very promise, the amazing grace and love and promise that God has for us. And this year, the theme of our church has been the prosperous, the healthy soul. And this morning, I want to preach a message to encourage people, no matter whether you've gone through something anything close to that or maybe you've gone through just a few things but but who knows we all go through things and we all got all got a response and all got choices to make and this morning I want to encourage you out of some of the things that I've just been thinking about over the last couple of weeks how do we have a healthy soul how can we too just like Horatio can can make this statement no matter what I go through it is well it is well with my soul. You know, John, the writer of third book of John, writes this letter and he says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. You know, I think there's a misconception, a misunderstanding out there that everything on the outside has to be good for you to have a prosperous soul, for you to have an, a healthy soul. But the truth is, you can have everything in the world, all the money, good health, success in studies and business, and not have a healthy soul. And the reverse can be true. The opposite can be true also. Things around you can be breaking down. You can be struggling in your health, in your finances. Maybe you've faced a situation where unfairly you were dismissed or you're struggling with different things in your life, but you can say, it is well with my soul. You can be weak on the outside, poor on the outside, but have a healthy soul. I know which one I would rather be today. I don't know about you, but no matter what we face in life, and I believe that God wants to give us a blessed and favored life, but even if we face different things that are out of our control, I think the greatest promise of God is that we can say it is well with our soul, amen. I wanna look this morning I want to look at the state of our soul this morning. And I want us to look at how we can have, make sure that no matter what we face, we can have healthy souls. 
Because the truth is, it's, it's the state of your soul that's so important. Everything flows out of the health and the state of your soul. Who knows the fruit of your decisions, the actions, the, the mindsets, the attitudes. Your future all comes out of the state of your soul. You can hide it for a moment. You can hide it for a season. But eventually, it'll come out of your words. It'll come out of your decisions. It'll come out of your thinking. All from the state of your soul. The state of your soul will produce the fruit of your soul. So really, in understanding this, and understanding God's Word this morning, it's not so important, it's not the most important thing what happens in our lives, whether we get that promotion, whether we get that healing, even though I believe God wants that for us. The most important thing, as I study the Word of God, is the state of yours and my soul. And we're going to look at that this morning. Is that all right, church? I love the, the, the fact that we can find answers in the Word of God. And so we're going to turn to a passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Thanks, Jasmine. If you've got your Bibles, why don't you grab them out? We're going to have the Scriptures on the screen also. And I love the fact that we can dive deep and not just from a theological from a theory base, from even just the spiritual side, but a practical look at how we can have a healthy soul this morning. Are you ready? Nudge your neighbor. Just make sure they're still awake. I love the fact that it starts off, the first verse here, we're going to read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. It says, Rejoice always. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. So how can we make sure that our soul stays healthy no matter what we face, no matter what we have faced, no matter what the future brings? I've got a few points this morning, and this is not the, uh, the complete list, but just a few things that I wanted to point out out of this scripture that will help us keep a healthy soul no matter what we face. The first point I want to raise this morning, if you're taking notes, is we need to get the order right. We need to get the order right. Let me explain that. Verse 23 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. So the Apostle Paul here explains and describes us as tripartite beings, three-dimensional beings. We are not just what we see, that is part of it, but we are made up of body, soul, and spirit. Who knows that? Who remembers talking about our body? We have five senses our sight, our hearing, smell, taste, and feel. And our body makes us world conscious. But we also have a soul. And it's, you know, our soul is made up of our intellect, our will, and our emotions. And our soul makes us self-conscious. 
So our body, our senses make us world conscious. Our, our soul with our intellect, emotions, and will make us self-conscious. But we also have a thing called spirit. Often forgotten. Often overlooked because people, if you can't sense it or see it, then people think that it may, maybe it doesn't exist. But, but see, it's our spirit that makes us God-conscious. We have a body. We have a soul. We have a spirit. So you have a body and move in a body. You operate and think through a soul, but primarily you and I, we are spirit. And see, we need to understand God's order this morning, church, that we are spirit, soul, and body. See, I, I notice, and, and often I find myself in this place, we, we lead ourselves in the wrong order. We lead our lives in the wrong order. Who knows that you, you've been in that situation? Maybe this morning was like one of those situations where you got up and you thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend some time in, in, in God's Word or in prayer or devotions or can't wait to get to church early. Uh, and, and I've been there where it's like, oh, and you wake up and it's cold and you're tired because it's been a, a big week. Maybe you're hungry or hangry. You haven't had your coffee. And these things start to determine how we act, right? Maybe we push the Bible aside. Go back to sleep for a little bit longer. I'm preaching to myself this morning. I've been there before. I've rocked up to church and had all these different things, maybe some frustrations, maybe some things that, that you know, just were meant to be organized and I'd forgotten to do it, or other things that were just, you know, maybe you drove to church and someone cut you, you know, into your lane before you sort of got to church, stole your favorite seat or your favorite park. And this carnal, fleshly nature starts to rise up. And who knows, sometimes you just don't feel like worshiping. And we can sometimes allow our flesh to lead our soul which leads our spirit. We've all been there. But see, God purposely inspired through the writer of this passage, as Paul's writing is inspired by the Spirit of God, there's no mistake that he puts it in the other order, spirit, soul, and body, because I believe that we are meant to be led by the Spirit of God, and we're meant to be led by our spirit, that no matter what we're feeling like, no matter what we're going through, no matter whether we're feeling tired, hungry, or anything else, that we say, I am going to worship God. I'm going to be spirit-led. I'm going to allow my spirit man to lead me beyond my emotions, beyond how I feel, beyond what I see, beyond even if I'm feeling exhausted right now, I'm going to do the things that I know will start to help me see what God wants in my life. Allow your spirit to lead your soul and lead your flesh, not the other way around. I love what it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 5. It says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Let me encourage you this morning, if you want to have a healthy soul, then allow your spirit to lead your soul. Don't let your flesh lead your soul. Don't let your, your natural things, I mean, we all have natural needs in our life, but sometimes we spend so much time thinking about, oh, how can I get uh, the, the different needs in my life? We spend time focusing so much on our natural needs, our fleshly needs, 
And we sometimes disregard that they're the very things that we really need in our life to build our spirit and to allow God to lead us. We need to be spirit-led people if we're going to have a healthy soul. That's point number one. Point number two, if we're going to have a healthy soul, we need to stay fresh. Stay fresh. I love this thought. You know, I'm just, I I have a general rule in life, and uh, and I've had to share this rule with my wife because there's been times that that I've gone to the fridge and I've gone to take something out to eat it. You know, I, I've been, I was brought up with leftovers. I was like, you know, just anything that was just, you know, just don't throw it out. Pile it up onto one plate. And this is just fantastic for the next day or the day after. I could eat the same thing day in, day out if I really like it. I'm just like, whereas I'm married to um, a lovely, a beautiful woman who just uh, has wonderful taste buds and just is like, we ate that three days ago. We can't have Italian again, or we can't have... I'm like, we can have that every day. It's amazing. I love pizza. Five food groups all in one moment. It's just... Anyway. But, but I'll go to take it out and heat up, and she says, don't eat that. I'm like, why not eat it? Because that's like three days old. I'm like, but it's in the fridge. It's like, exactly, microwave is going to kill everything. Isn't that right, Ray? So I, I've had to put a rule out there that says... Because I'm not particularly like good at knowing sort of when all this sort of food is, it does or doesn't go out of date. So I said, Bernie, if you can just help me, if it's in the fridge, it means I can eat it. If it's not in the fridge, don't eat it. So uh, she helps me out, which is fantastic. Uh, but, but there's one thing that always catches all of us a little bit uh, unawares, and that is the bread. You know, it's one of those things sits out there and you just don't know whether it's still okay to eat. And I was thinking about it, you know, what actually is worse? Is stale bread or moldy bread worse? Put up your hand if you think stale bread's worse. Put up your hand if you think moldy bread's worse. You know what? I thought that as well. And I understand why people would think that. I would not want to eat moldy bread. But here's my point why I think stale bread is worse. Stale bread is deceptive. It's sneaky. See, you know what you're going to get when you look at the loaf of bread and you see mold on it. It's a big warning sign that says, if that color shouldn't be in the bread, don't eat it. It's not like some really like, you know, uh, expensive cheese. It's just like bread, don't eat it. It's not like, oh, that's that's really nice. That's been uh, cultivating for a while. (laughs) But the thing about stale bread is it looks exactly like fresh bread. It looks like it. You think, you go to it and you're like, I'm hungry. What am I going to have for lunch? I'm going to have a nice sandwich. And so you grab all the stuff out. You grab, you commit yourself, you invest into it. And then what happens? You touch it. Maybe you don't even touch it. You get beyond that and you put a bite in your mouth and you realize it tastes disgusting because it's stale. That's why my vote is with stale bread's worse because it's deceptive. And here's my segue. Who knows that we can all be at risk of becoming stale if we're not careful. I mean, we've seen people that come in and for whatever reason, they've been on fire for God, but, but made some decisions and have walked away or maybe even got attitudes, maybe other things that have just come up in their life. And, and we could say, oh yeah, that was obvious. They left the church. They, they just gave up. But who knows that we can be in church we can be coming every single week. 
going through a religious exercise. And if we're not careful, become stale as we journey, as we travel along. And God wants us to stay fresh because as we stay fresh, then I believe we are the, 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 the taste to the world that God wants us to be. Who knows? You sort of expect someone. Someone says, I'm a Christian. You expect certain behaviors. Whether that's fair or not, they do. But who knows? It shocks them more than anything if they're like, aren't you a Christian? And you're doing this? You're doing that? I don't think it's because we intend to be a bad witness. Maybe it's just that we've allowed life to make us stale. Maybe we've allowed attitudes, maybe different things to come in. See, we too can be at risk of becoming stale if we allow the things of this world to infect our souls. And this is why I believe that Jesus, when asked what should we pray, said in Matthew chapter 6, In this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus isn't saying to just limit your conversation with God just to this, but, but if nothing else, at least every day come to him and say, Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and give me today the bread that I need. Because he recognizes the only way that we're going to stay fresh is if we're feasting on the bread that only he can give. You know, some people, the only time that you're, you're eating of the bread of God is, is once a week when you come to church. And that's actually above the average these days. Most people, the average attendance in church is somewhere between four and six weeks. But it doesn't say here, give us this year our yearly bread. Give us this month our monthly bread. Give us this week our weekly bread. It says, give us today our daily bread. You know what that tells me? Is that Jesus knows what he's talking about. That we need to have the bread of life in us every day if we're going to stay fresh and not become stale. See, don't let yourself get stale. Don't let life dull you down. Stay fresh, stay alive, stay excited. See, I mean, I don't want to ever get to the point where I just come to church or, or in my relationship with God and I stop getting excited for what God could do today. I want us to gather as a church every time we meet and say, God, we're expectant. We're excited. We're not just going to go through the motion, but we come expecting something good. I don't want God to be limited by my expectation. I want my faith to have the loudest voice. Are you with me, church? Can we make a commitment to gather together every time we gather, whether it's at the 9 o'clock, the 11 o'clock, the 5.30, when we gather together in our prayer groups, in our connect groups, in other things, and we're saying, God, we're expecting for what you're going to do today. I don't want to get dull. I don't want to get tired. I, want, I don't want to get uh, stale. I want to be excited and expecting about what you're going to do today. Stay hungry for the Word of God. Come on. Stay eager for the Word and eager to be changed by it. Don't be that person when you come to church and you're listening to a great message, something that's doing you. Man, I'm so glad that so-and-so's in church today. They needed to hear that. 
I'm so glad, oh man, this week, I'm going to get a copy of this. This will be great for so-and-so. Every time you get together under the Word of God, say, God, this Word is for me. Speak to me through it. I've been there before. I've done exactly that. I've gone, man, I'm so glad that so-and-so's here. Oh, gee, I wish they were here. And it'll be partway through the message. The Holy Spirit says, Mark, this is for you. Sure, there's no, no problem with buying it and giving it to someone, but first, allow God to speak to you. You need change. You need change, Mark. You need your daily bread. Otherwise, all of us are at risk of becoming stale if we're not saying, God, feed me. My third point this morning, if we're going to have a healthy soul, is we need to live with joy. Live with joy. Verse 16 of this passage says, rejoice always. Everyone say, rejoice always. That that was sort of like, you know, you weren't committed to really rejoicing when you said that. Come on, rejoice always. That's better. You know, uh, back, uh, you know, back a little while ago, back in the day, uh, there was this uh, ad on TV, which I thought was quite humorous. I enjoyed it. And uh, it was for a, uh, for a cologne, for an aftershave brand called Brute 33. Who knows Brute 33? A couple of people who uses, you don't have to put your hand. Um, what I liked about this ad is, is that everyone was partying, everyone was having fun, everyone was dancing. And it was this guy just sort of standing there doing nothing. It's just like, you know, it's like, and then, and then the, the slogan comes up, Brute 33, I dance on the inside. And it's like, you know, hey, hey, I don't need a shoulder on the outside because there's a party going on in my, in my, in my, inside, you know, in my heart, in my, in my life. I'm pretty cool. It's all happening. I'm dancing. It's a lot of excitement. Sometimes Christians are like that. We think, oh, I've got this joy in my heart. I'm full of life. And, and they just do not show it to anyone. Someone could walk past and go, are you sure about that? Are you sure there's really joy going on there? You know, like, you know, you sort of come into church, and if you've been around long enough, we've all experienced it. Hopefully I'm not the one that's, you know, uh, been, been at fault here, but it's like, you know, oh, you know, I've got the, the life of God in me. I'm full of life, I'm full of joy, and it's just like deadpan. It's like, you know, I'm like, whoa, what did I just do there? Like, just to sort of get this prickly reaction. It's like, it's like, you know, joy is not one of those things that God has asked us to sort of keep on the inside, like Brute 33. God is wanting us to show our joy to the world because our joy is contagious. The joy that God wants to give us is contagious. I loved a couple of weeks ago that we had our water baptisms on Easter Sunday morning, and uh, it was one of my favorite moments of of Easter weekend as we gathered together, and we just celebrated what was was happening, and so many people, in fact, 23 people got water baptized on that Sunday. It was amazing, and uh, one of my favorite moments was uh, was Christina here, who actually was up, I, I hope you don't mind me saying, but later on this year turned 76 and was up getting water baptized. We've got a picture of her. And I have to say, Christina, this is one of my favorite moments because there was laughter and crying and celebration and more crying. And just and that was just everyone just around Christina as well as Christina as well. It was so infectious. We can bring that down. But just the joy. It's never too late to do something new in God full of joy. It's never too late to step out. Don't just settle in life. And it's just like, this is how I've always been. This is how I will be. You know, God wants to shake us up, shake us out. 
get excited about the things of God. I, I love it. It's infectious. I was like, man, I want to dive back into the water of baptism. I want to do that again because it's just like, man, this, the amount of joy that was happening. I was just like, I want to be a part of that. God wants us not just to keep the joy inside, but to, to show it to other people, to show it to the world. But who knows, we need to protect our joy. See, disappointment will come and try and steal away our joy. Discouragement will come and try and rob you of your joy. Doubt, hurt, offense will come and try and steal your joy away. But don't let discouragement, don't let disappointment, don't let doubt come and steal away your hope and your joy. See, people let you down. Even in the church, believe it or not, someone's going to let you down. I've done it before. I've missed opportunities. Maybe I've ignored someone. I forgot to respond. But don't let offense come into your heart. And verse 13 actually says, live in peace with each other. Make a decision today. It doesn't matter what other people do. Make a decision that you're going to let peace live in your heart. Peace towards others. Peace in your heart. Forgiveness in your heart. Don't let offense rob you of your joy. Don't, don't make it a sin. You know what? They deserve it. I'm going to give them what for. You know, the way they treated me, the way that when they didn't do that or did do that. Make it a decision. I'm not going to let offense come in and rob me of my joy. See, it's by living with God's peace and joy in our hearts that we keep our soul healthy. Fourth point this morning is to have a healthy soul, we need to be thankful. Be thankful. This verse goes on in verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It doesn't just say in some. It doesn't just say in the good times. It doesn't just say when you got the answer to prayer. It says in all circumstances. And in fact, it goes on further. For this is God's will for your life. If you want to be obedient to God, this is His will for your life. Be thankful. I'm going through some stuff. Be thankful. I haven't received my promise yet. Be thankful. It didn't go the way I thought. Why did that person get the job and not me? Why has that person got the healing and not me? Why has it been so long? Be thankful. In all circumstances, be thankful. This is God's will for your life because when we are thankful, we set ourselves up for the miracle. We set ourselves up for the greater promise. We understand that no matter what I go through, God's got my back. There's a greater day, a greater promise. And I'm standing on that. That's why Horatio Spafford could write these words of this song with all the tragedy happening in his life. It is well. There is something greater that I look to, a greater hope, a greater future, eternal life with my Savior, acceptance by God. See, we need to learn to be thankful. Not just thankful, but, but even praising and thanking Him in the middle, in the middle of our storm. See, many of us, we understand this idea of being thankful after we've received something. It's funny, we teach our children, don't we? We, we say, hey, if you want something, say thank you, say ta, say ta, and we wait. Say ta, ta, and then finally they say it, and you give it to them. And I wonder whether God's a little bit like that, because we grow up and we think that's odd to do that. Like, I'm not going to be like, 
you know, like you say thanks before it happens, it sort of seems a little bit strange. It's like the, the order is around the wrong way. But, but, but we need to be reminded there's things in God that sometimes we're saying thank you. We're saying we praise you no matter what we see. We might be in the middle of the storm. But our thanks and our praise starts to activate our faith and it starts to change our perspective. See, when we're critical, when we're negative, when we're just seeing this issue, we magnify it becomes bigger than what it actually is. But, but our thanks and our praise magnifies God. And it allows us, it activates our faith to believe that God, no matter how that looks, even if it's different to what I expect, God is going to come through for me. All things work together for good for those who love and are called to His purpose. Point number five. If we're going to have a healthy soul, we need to discover what refuels you. Discover what refuels you. See, every day that we give out, we give out energy. We take in energy, we give out energy. Who knows that, that as we start to, the, the, the energy sort of reserves start to deplete. Who knows, it's, it actually changes our behavior. When we're not being refueled, we start to get a little tired, getting not just hungry, but for some people, hangry. We start to... Think differently when we're, when the energy is running low, might even become moody. It actually changes our behavior. And who knows, it's not too far down the track that even more serious things can happen in our body if we are not adding the energy back in. And sometimes we, we completely ignore it. If it's true for the body, it's true for the soul, and it's true for our spirit. We ignore it as Christians. We think we had an encounter with God once upon a time. Like I said before, maybe it's like we come to church, you know, once a month, and we wonder why we're starting to get uh, into trouble in our mind and thoughts and temptations and things that are trying to hold us back. Where's my joy? Where's my hope? Why aren't I fresh? Well, God is saying, hey, keep yourself refueled. I want to touch you, I want to bless you, but, but when we start to walk away from the very thing that's going to keep us alive, then we start to struggle. You know, I love how it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 11, the, the message paraphrases it this way, don't burn out. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't burn out. Don't burn out. Keep yourself fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times, but pray all the harder. See, don't let soul fatigue rob you of your future and your joy. We need to find what refuels us in our life. We need to understand we need to get around things and, and do things that are recharging our batteries. We need to recharge our soul. You know, for me, there's a few things that, that I've written down that, that helps recharge and refuel me. And the first thing is I get around the right people. Who knows that just your environment really does make a big difference. Get around people that are positive. Get around people that are people of faith, that encourage you, that love you, that accept you. Get around the right people. Sometimes for me, I need to get away from people. I know that might sound a little harsh, but the truth is that each of us need a, sometimes a break. Sometimes we need to get into that quiet place, a place of rest. You know, uh, I never was really someone who, who did uh, a lot of walking. I was more of a team sports guy. I've shared that a little bit before. But, but recently, as we've moved up in the hills, I've, I really started to enjoy. I thought I was just going to go for a bit of a, a prayer walk. Sometimes I'd sort of take the dog and, 
and that was all right, a little distracting, but, you know. But what I realized is that's actually been something that's just been allowed me to get away, to recharge, start to think about different things, have a bit of a, a download, and it's time with God, worship. You know, sometimes there's more practical things. Let's, let's be honest. We need to actually realize what recharges for some people. It's going fishing. Sometimes it's sport. For someone else, it might be reading a book, watching a movie, whatever it is. We need to understand that we need to recharge ourselves, understand we need to do things in our life that's going to take us to that place where we refuel and recharge. You know, the other part of this is, you know, I've, most of us have had different devices before. You know, many of us probably have more than one, two, three, four devices. I think we worked that out the other day when we were having internet problems at our house. We realized that maybe it's because we have something like 17 devices all on our Wi-Fi service. Don't go there. It's all good. So my phone was starting to play up, and I started to realize, what is the problem here? And so I did what everyone should do when you have problems with your devices. I turned it off. Just powered it down and sort of gave it a, you know, turn it on again and hopefully it will fix the problem. And sometimes that does. But in this case, it didn't. And I realized that as I looked into it, that I had cluttered uh, my device so much. There was so much gear on it. I had all these different apps. Someone showed me something. I grabbed the app. Might have never used it, maybe used it once, but it was on there. I had all these emails with all the attachments. I had all these extra photos and everything, all of the different things on my phone, and it was just too much. It caused clutter. It caused issues. You know, I remember, you know, I used to have a PC back, uh, and, and one of the things that, that I would do quite regularly because, I, you know, as you sort of you have a PC and after a while it starts running a bit slow again, you just turn it off, turn it on, hopefully that fixes it. But I realized that every now and then I had, used to have to do this thing called defrag the hard drive. Who knows what I'm talking about? Three people, fantastic. Defrag the hard drive. Now, I don't know all the technical stuff, but basically what I was doing is over time you just bring all this stuff onto your hard drive and it just sort of creates its own space. And even though you might even remove some of it, it sort of still leaves the memory of that space. And what you need to do is you need to clean it up and, and reprioritize it and refile it so you've got the space you need, the margin to, to go ahead and put extra stuff on your computer. The same's with us. We sometimes fill ourselves with so many different things. Yeah, we might even try and recharge, but it doesn't make any difference because we come back straight into our normal life and it's just busy again. Even some good things that we thought were going to be a part of the solution now become responsibilities. So, you know, it's like, oh, I'm, going to, I'm going to do this and it's going to be great, but then it becomes, I'm going to let them down if I don't do it this week and all this different stuff. We start to fill our lives with clutter. We need to defrag the hard drive. We need to unclutter, declutter the things that, you know, maybe they're just not what God's called you to do. Maybe they're just not important. Maybe they're just extra things. Uh, create margin in your world so that God can fill it, refuel you, and send you forward in what He's calling you to do. Is this all right this morning? And I wonder whether we can have the worship team up. The last thing, my last point this morning, part of really what should refuel us and recharge us Number six, we need to rediscover the wonder. Rediscover the wonder. Sometimes we can come to church and we go through the motions. We're here for good reasons. 
but then it becomes normal, becomes formulaic, becomes just part of the routine. God's saying, hey, rediscover the wonder. We need to live like we actually need the presence of God every day. Not just the thought of it, not the intention, but actually, God, if I don't have your presence in my life. We need to rediscover the presence of God. We need to rediscover that, that sense of awe in the presence of God. I, I just standing and saying, God, you're amazing. Bring these words to life. I don't want to just be like karaoke church. I want it to be an interaction where I lift up my praise, my worship, my adoration, and you again feel me, touch me, move me, change me. Rediscover the awe. Rediscover the wonder. Rediscover the hunger that you once had. Maybe for, for people, your experience of church has been different. Maybe for the first time, understanding, I want to get hungry after the things of God. You know, this week we had the privilege, and Pastor Nathan's going to speak a little bit more about it, had the privilege of, as a pastoral team, going to our national conference, and that's where all the ACC pastors from our denomination gather together. And uh, for most of us, it's a, just a week where we get to sit under some great ministry of the Word and worship, and, and I was enjoying it. But even as I was enjoying it in worship, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, Mark, it's time to go deeper. It's time to go deeper in your hunger. It's time to rediscover the wonder. It's time to come back to that place where you're in God's presence and not just going through the motions, but hungering, desiring, being desperate for the presence of God. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. To stay up to date, check us out at our website, faithcc.com.au.